precious cornerstone, sure foundation. You are faithful to the end. We are waiting on you, Jesus. We believe you're all to us. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be Preston Crest. We are glad that you are here with us this morning. My name is Mike Pipkin. I'm one of the elders here, and we are grateful for your presence, whether it is in person or virtually. Uh, if you would take this opportunity, uh, let, me, let me start first by welcoming our visitors right now. If you are visiting with us, we're, we're especially grateful that you are here. There's a card in the pew back in front of you that um, you can either fill out manually or take the opportunity to use your, your uh, cell phone and, and scan the barcode. Either way, we'd love to have a note of your presence. And if you're a first-time visitor with us, we'd ask for you to go to the Information Center in the foyer, and we've got a special gift for you. For our members, we ask for you right now to check into the number that you've got on the, uh, the screen in front of you. Uh, that way we know that you're attending. If you're attending virtually, please do that as well. There's an option there for virtual attendance. Either way, we want to know that you're here and, and participating in worship with us. And uh, at that point, you'll receive our bulletin as well in electronic form. We've had a great, great week here at Preston Crest. Uh, in the past week, uh, we, we celebrate with the angels at the baptism of Jacob Deal, and this morning, Megan Deal uh, was baptized as well. We are we're just grateful for, uh, for that family, extended family throughout Preston Crescent. We're thankful for that. Uh, we've also had two mission trips that have happened, 5,653 miles apart. One was in Guatemala, a team of, of medical professionals and support was in uh, Guatemala, based in Antigua, but also going to Sololá and Chamatanango, uh, serving 
literally thousands of people, not only members of the local churches, but also in the local communities. We're thankful for every, uh, for John Scott Davis and all of the work that he uh, put in and leading this group to Guatemala. Uh, there was also a baptism, the first uh, baptism in the uh, Chamontanango Baptistry in their, in their building there. That happened last Sunday morning. So we're just thankful for all of that good work. There was also a large team of teens uh, that made their way to Fairbanks, Alaska for a mission trip this week. Our, our 11th and 12th graders led by Brian Borden and Aaron Fawry. Kelly Wilkinson, uh, other other adult mentors that joined them, uh, uh, just a, a work, uh, a week of work serving God and uh, praising Him in worship. Uh, we are thankful for the safe returns of both mission teams, uh, one in Antigua, Guatemala, and one in Fairbanks, Alaska. And we're thankful to you, this congregation that has done so much to support these groups as they have uh, spread the good news through good works of service. Uh, throughout the world. We are thankful that you are here with us today. If you would, bow with me for a word of prayer, and then we'll continue our worship. Dear Father in heaven, as we begin our time in worship this morning, we are so very thankful to be in your presence, sitting alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ, not only in person, but with those who are worshiping with us around the world. Lord, we are mindful today of, of many things that we're thankful for, but we're also sad at the passing of our dear sister, Betty Darrow, uh, who passed away this week after just a long, uh, a long battle with declining health. She was a member of our church office for, for a long time, and we all remember sweet Betty Darrow, those of us that have been here long enough. We're just, we're thankful for her life, uh, for her devotion to you, for her love for this congregation, and we lift up her family during these days. Lord, we need to be in your presence, for we need your strength, the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit living within us. We pray that you empower us through the Holy Spirit living deep within us. We pray that Jesus Christ dwell within our hearts through faith. We pray that we are rooted and grounded in love. We pray that we may have strength to comprehend, to have a greater understanding of your love for us and how wide, and how far, and how high, and how deep your love for us is. Help us to know Christ's love for us, the love that led him to the cross for us. And help us to know that that love surpasses everything, even our human understanding and knowledge. Lord, fill us with your fullness. Help us to know that you are able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. I want to repeat that. Help us to know that you are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from... Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Let's continue our morning in worship. Come, let us worship and Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our 
We're going to sing one more song as we enter into our time of communion this morning, and then Todd Robertson is going to come and lead us around that time of communion. You In August of uh, 1986, I was a junior in uh, high school, and we were moving from uh, Lubbock, Texas to Amarillo, Texas, and I had to go by the school to get my records before we moved. And when you're 16, sometimes you look at the traffic signs and you think, those maybe don't really apply to me at this moment. And so I parked and I ran into the school and I came out of the school and I had received a parking ticket. So now the conundrum comes, what do you do with said parking ticket as you're moving from Lubbock to Amarillo, Texas? And I happened, the last thing that I was responsible for was digging up the uh, basketball goal. And so I dug up the basketball goal and I proceeded to place the parking ticket in the hole and I buried it and it is at 6805 Nashville in Lubbock, Texas to this day. 
And I tell you that story from the aspect of when we're young, sometimes we can make some pretty boneheaded decisions. And sometimes those decisions will come back to bite us worse than others' decisions. And as I think about communion time this morning, as I think about my walk and my faith, it draws me back to Hebrews chapter 5. And at the end of that chapter, the writer tells us, he says, man, if you're having just to live on milk, you're not going to survive very long. You got to get deeper. Your faith has got to get stronger. And as I think about communion, and man, every week, right, we've been doing this, and as a Christian, we do this every week, and we've got to be drawn back not only to the sacrifice, but what is it that I'm doing with that? How's it changing me? How's it making me different? How's it making me walk a different walk? And so that's what I'm drawn back to this morning as we think about communion time. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the gift of your Son. And I just pray that we would always cherish the sacrifice and what it meant and what it means to us. But more importantly, how do I now take that and share it and show it and become that sacrifice to other people? Thank you so much for your blessings. Please bless this cup and Dear Lord, just help us to reflect back on the goodness and the grace. In your son's name we pray, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as we continue the communion service, we just think back to the cross and we think back to the blood that was shed and how that blood impacts us. And more importantly, what are we doing to show others the love of Christ? In your son's name we pray. Amen.
Luke writes this in chapter 2 at the very beginning of the church after 3,000 plus were added after the Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. He wrote, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That was happening 2,000 plus years ago, and it's happening here at Preston Crest as well. We don't gather just here on Sunday mornings. There are things happening at this, at this building and throughout our community in small groups, with Sunshine School on Mondays and Thursdays, with uh, youth group activities, children's ministry activities. Things are happening here at Preston Crest, and they're happening because of the, the blessings that God has provided to us that we share. At this particular time, we, we call everyone's attention to the opportunity to contribute. You can, if you brought a check with you, there's a box out in the foyer. You can also participate in our online giving uh, opportunities that are through the Preston Crest website and through texting. Uh, what a blessing it is that we can be part of this congregation. I want to focus our attention right now on a good work that's been part of this congregation since its very beginning. From the very start of Preston Crest Church of Christ more than 50 years ago, this congregation and its members have supported life-affirming ministries, such as Christian Works for Children here in Dallas, Smith Lawn Maternity Home in Lubbock, Arms of Hope, which includes the Bowles and Medina Children's Homes, and many other children's homes over the decades. Here at Preston Crest, we will continue to support the good works of those who care for expectant mothers and their babies in difficult circumstances. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 16. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Each moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Please bow with me. Dear Lord, we have confidence and know that we are your workmanship from before we were born, created in Christ Jesus to do the good things you planned for us long ago. We are thankful for our brothers and sisters who seek to help children and families meet life's toughest challenges, who are devoted to representing your goodness to children, born and unborn, and to their families. We ask your continued blessing on their good works and for this congregation's historical and continued support for their efforts in the name of Jesus. For we know that it is your will for us to do good in this world, 
letting our light shine before others so that you, Father, will be glorified. Help us know the right things to do, to do those things to your glory and to not grow weary in doing good. Lord, as we shine our light in this dark world, please give us your spirit of wisdom and of revelation in your knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts to enlighten us to opportunities to share the good news about your son, Jesus, that we may know and can share the hope to which you have called us, the riches of the glorious inheritance you have promised to us as believers. Lord, you have blessed us so richly. Help us to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Help us to not neglect to do good and to share what we have, for we know that such sacrifices are pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I need to let you know that we have a prayer quilt in the foyer for you to stop by, tie a knot in that, uh, and then say a prayer for Irene Swindell. And many of you know Irene. She's 95 now, and for up until about age 93, she sat right here. And so, uh, but Irene's at home uh, on hospice care. So take that name with you this week the name of Irene Swindell, and please do stop by the table uh, at her prayer quilt so we can just cover her in our prayers this week. Let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. We'll sing one more song, and then Gordon's going to come share with us this morning. On Zion's
Good morning. Welcome back, John Scott. Traveling to South America with a group, or Central America with a group of our members and our youth group who was uh, up uh, outside the lower 48, up in uh, Can uh, Canada, pretty much. I mean, Alaska, serving up in Fairbanks. So we're glad to have you guys back. Live your best life. Maybe from the first verses of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' Sermon on Mount, you could, you could say, live your blessed life, because that's how he begins. As he describes these kingdom people, citizens of this other realm, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are kingdom people. These are kingdom characteristics. We pull back the curtain on Jesus' followers, and that's what we see these kinds of people. Now, he also kind of ends that by saying, don't be surprised if you get some pushback. Because if you live that way, if you live according to these priorities that he lays out, you will not always be in rhythm with the culture. There will be some tension there. So he says, you know, blessed are you when you're persecuted because of that? I remember hearing a sermon. It's been a while. I was like 21 years old, home from college. My parents were part of a church plant in my hometown. And the preacher, Denny, got up. And he began, he began citing from memory those, those beatitudes right there in Matthew chapter 5. And then he went on and he preached the entire sermon on the mount, all three chapters, from memory, never looked at any notes, and it was pretty awesome. Um, it was pretty awesome. Those words of Jesus came alive for me as I heard that preached as an entire sermon. And it's funny, in my line of work, um, we are encouraged to steal intellectual property to the extent that if I'm preaching something totally original that's mine, uh, that's not good. I need to be faithful to his words. I need to preach God's ideas, God's thoughts. And this series is really straight out of uh, that message that Jesus preached so many years ago. So unapologetically, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rip Jesus off as much as possible. Um, that's kind of that's my idea. Um, speaking of ripping things off, have you guys ever seen knockoffs? I bet there were some on the streets of of Guatemala City, Antigua, Guatemala, maybe. Um, if you've been to New York, especially in Chinatown, you've probably seen some Gucci's that weren't Gucci, Prada that wasn't Prada, Rolex that wasn't Rolex. Uh, years ago, I bought a, a watch off a street vendor. I needed a watch. Now I've got a phone. I don't need a watch anymore. i got time right there. But I needed a watch, so I bought a fake Omega Seamaster watch. It's like a $2,500 watch. $20 from the street vendor. And it lasted two, three months, I think, before it just quit, you know, uh, because it looked exactly like the Omega Seamaster, but I knew when I paid 20 bucks for it, uh, on the inside, it, it, it wasn't. It was a fake. It was a phony. And so I think as we get into this sermon from Jesus today, uh, he's going to talk about that. And really, we get down to this idea, are we going to be fans of Jesus or followers of Jesus. Um, he wants the authentic. He wants the real thing. Those who actually wear him, think like him, love like him, follow him. But he had a lot of fans in the first century, and he still has a lot of fans today. People like 
Jesus. And they liked him way back when as well. He had lots of admirers. I mean, the way that he loved people, it just brought people in. Uh, the way that he would challenge the authorities, that was probably fun to watch. The way that he performed miracles, I'm sure, was, was incredible to see. But he never wanted people to just remain fans. He wanted them to actually put on his teachings and follow him. Interested in followers, not fans. So it's not wrong if you're a fan today. I'm not judging you because that's where a lot of people start. You know, they like Jesus. They admire Jesus. They're curious about Jesus. But just know his end run on you is for you to become a disciple for you to become his follower. And so that's what we pray for you as well. We're trying to make disciples of Jesus here at Preston Crest. The problem, if you remain a fan, if you never get beyond that, is like a knockoff watch. It's eventually going to quit. And you see that in the ministry of Jesus as well. There were all these crowds. Where did they go? They quit on him. Things got a little tough. Things got a little challenging. There was a little persecution. Uh, they would just drop away. So we want to grow stronger over time, which is what followers of Jesus do. Fans uh, tend to quit. So Jesus is going to use two images this morning. He's going to use salt. We're all familiar with salt and light. We're all familiar with light. And he's going to use those to kind of play this out, what it looks like to be a real disciple as opposed to something maybe a bit counterfeit. All right, Matthew 5. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. <laughs> but if salt has, has <laughs> if it's lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. It can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and they may glorify God, the Father who is in heaven. So verse 13, we have, we have knockoff salt. Looks like salt, feels like salt. If you rub it between your fingers, if you put it on a scale like fake salt versus real salt, it's going to weigh the same thing. So by all indications, it's salt, except it doesn't taste like salt. It is, verse 13, Jesus says, salt that has lost its flavor. So it's a poser. It's, it's a phony. Um, I've been told, by the way, if you want to spot a, a counterfeit bill, say you got a $100 bill, you want to know if it's real or if it's a knockoff, a fake, counterfeit, you hold it up to the light. You hold the fake up to the light and you hold a real $100 bill up and then you can see the differences right? You can see, maybe if you're just looking at the fake all by itself, you don't know. But when you hold it up next to the genuine article, you can tell. And that's the way it is with believers. We, if we are genuine disciples of Jesus, you hold us up to the light and you will see Jesus in us. You're supposed to see Jesus in us. And he is the real thing, right? 100% authentic, the Son of God, God in human flesh. We're told in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 that he is the author and perfecter of our faith, of your faith. He was the beginning point of your faith journey. He is the fruition, the perfection, the end of your faith journey. It is all about Jesus. So as you follow Jesus, 
we should see more and more of his attitudes, of his heart, of his truth in your life. He is, uh, I mean, he puts the Christ in Christianity. Jesus is our faith. So authentic disciples, they actually choose to follow him even when it costs them something, even when they are making life adjustments, even when it gets a little bit hard. Um, Roman soldiers, by the way, this is interesting, I think, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, they could be paid their salary with salt. Salt was an accepted currency of the ancient world. So if you've ever heard that person is worth their salt, it's a reference to those days. Were they worth their salt that month? Uh, that month? Did they do their job? Did they earn their salary? And so these soldiers could be paid in salt, and we as disciples, we are worth our salt to the extent that we taste like Jesus, that we look like the Lord. And when somebody, any person, experiences Jesus and encounters his love, they are changed. They will be certainly transformed by his power and his love. They become, as he says, salt and light. But what about what Jesus says here? Salt Losing its taste, light that is hidden underneath a bushel. Um, what good is salt without saltiness? And what good is light that is unseen? And perhaps, uh, with all due humility this morning, it would, be, it would be helpful to label a couple of knockoff versions of Christianity. Uh, we have pretenders and we have offenders. And I know we all fall short. I know we've all got room to grow, but these are a couple of the kinds of Christianity that may look a little bit, if you're walking down the street and you look at those Christian wares, you may go, oh, that's Christian. But if you look inside, not so much, not so much. And these are both huge turnoffs for the world, for people who are checking us out, who are wondering about our faith, neither one of these will draw people to Jesus. So pretenders, let's talk about pretenders. They're the ones who see themselves as Christians because mainly they call themselves Christians, you know? If I'm filling out a, a questionnaire, am I Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian. I checked that box. My parents were Christian. My grandparents were Christian. I, they took me to church, you know, on Christmas and Easter when I was growing up. Um, they, if you look at their lives, they probably read the Bible sometimes. Uh, a lot of their friends are also Christians. Uh, they go to church occasionally. Uh, like I said, you're walking by that on the street, and you're like, yeah, that looks Christian to me. Um, um, but here's the thing. Pretenders are Christian in name only. They want the label without the liability. They want Christ without the cross. I mean, they're interested in the association, in the good things that it brings to their lives, um, but they're not interested once it gets a little bit challenging, once Jesus says, hey, I need you to come with me. I need you to follow me. By the way, pretenders have been around a long time. There were pretenders in faith before Jesus. Like right after God's people, we get a good look at this. Right after God's people were liberated from Egypt, were delivered from slavery, and God performs these miracles, and God delivers his word to them at Mount Sinai. It is an amazing time. And he takes them to, to the, the edge of the Jordan River, and he says, on the other side, there's the promised land. 
You have been hearing about this for a long time. There it is. Go and take it. And you might remember this story. Um, they're gathered. They decide, let's send some spies to the other side of the river. An intelligence gathering team. Just 12 people. Just a dozen people. Let's send them to the other side of the river to see what the people are like over there. To see what the cities are like over there. To see what the produce is like over there. And you know what? It is good. They come back and it is good. I mean, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Look at these grapes. They show off some grapes that they brought back from the brine. I mean, it is obviously a place that's very fertile over there. But then you get this issue. Ten of the twelve spies, this intelligence team, ten of them say, um, we should not go over there, right? The cities have these big walls around them. I don't think we can take them. The people are like giant MMA fighters. I don't think we can take them. Let's hang out over here for a while longer. Only two of the twelve, Joshua and Caleb, say, no, God promised that land to us. It is ours, Let's go and claim this promise. And unfortunately, unfortunately, because of the faithlessness of the ten spies, the majority report, uh, the Israelites are for decades sentenced to wander in the wilderness on the other side of the Jordan River. It's going to be a long time before they go home before they go to their promised land. But think about this. Those 10 spies that were faithless, I mean, they sure look like God's people. They, were, they went to the same church as Joshua and Caleb, the same tabernacle. They had the same 10 commandments. They had the same law that was delivered to Moses. They had the same uh, DNA. If you performed a DNA, they're related to Abraham. Sure are. And in fact, those ten were actually leaders of, of clans among the Israelites. So they had risen through the ranks. So many ways, they looked authentic. You hold it up to light, I mean, it looks, yeah. But they were not willing to put their faith into practice. They were not willing to go to a dangerous place, potentially, with God. They weren't willing to actually walk, to actually follow his promises and his commandments. They loved their heritage. They loved their friendships and their families. They were all Israelites. Isn't this happy? But it was when it was time to break camp and cross the river, not so much. So pretenders, not a new thing, not a new thing at all. By the way, New Testament, Jesus just lights up a church in Laodicea. He's writing these different, or he's giving these letters to John to deliver to different churches around the ancient world. And he lights up this church in Laodicea because they had some pretenders there. They had some salt that didn't taste like salt in that church. He says in Revelation 3.16, because you guys are lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. Yeah, that's, that's not a compliment Jesus is giving them. He's saying you guys are Christians in name only. You're lukewarm in your faith. Um, you're salt without saltiness. You're, you're, you're fakes. You're counterfeits. So there are these pretenders. There are also other side of the spectrum, another fake version of Christianity. There are these offenders. 
these offenders. They both profess to be Christians. Uh, offenders weaponize their faith. They are constantly correcting and confronting the people around them without love. Without love. They see themselves as bold, as courageous, as proclaimers of truth. I'm sorry you don't like it, but I just tell it the way it is. And so they like to argue, they like to confront, they like to debate people. They believe they possess the truth and others don't. And others need to line up with them. Uh, they enjoy a good fight. And yeah, they're like, hey, I'm just telling it like it is here. But when Jesus spoke of light, think about this. Jesus used the image of a lamp on a lampstand, warm glow, lighting up the house for those inside. He didn't use the image of a laser beam shot into your eye, injuring and blinding you, right? And so these are well-intentioned people. These are people with deep convictions. But if you want truth, you want to hear the truth? Jesus told us the truth. He opened his sermon. The truth is, my people are peacemakers. The truth is, my people are merciful. The truth is, my people are poor in spirit, not arrogant, know-it-alls, self-righteous folks. And so, pretender faith and offender faith are both knockoffs, and they also have this effect of turning off non-believers, of making them less and less interested in it. Like, that's what it's like to be a Christian, if you're just fake? Or if that's what it's like to be a Christian, you're just mean and rude? I, I, yeah, I don't want any part of that. So you, disciple of Jesus, you are called salt. You are called light by Jesus. You, that means you influence the world. You season the world in a lot of positive ways. You bring blessing to different spaces you occupy. Now, I've heard a lot of passages, uh, a lot of preachers, you come to this passage about salt, and you get a sermon on 101 uses of salt. Like, it's a preservative. It keeps meat from rotting. Um, it's an antiseptic. You can put it on a wound, and it helps... It helps to keep bacteria from growing. It, you can put it in a fire and it keeps it hot longer. Uh, yeah, sure. All that stuff is good. That's fine. But what is salt really? Uh, what it was mainly in the ancient world and what it is mainly today is it is salty. It makes food taste good. You go to a fancy steakhouse and you order a $70 ribeye and the cook forgets to put salt on it, it's not going to taste that good. It's just not. Um, I made ribs yesterday. Smoked ribs. So we got those ribs out, got them up to room temperature. What did I do with those ribs? Salt and pepper, baby. And then I've learned this from experience, more salt and pepper. And then when I thought I may have overdone it, I went ahead and put more salt and pepper on those, and they tasted so good. They lasted about 15 minutes, give or take. And the Dabs family wiped those things out pretty quick. What is it that takes, what is it that takes a hot, greasy stick of potato and turns it into an amazing French fry? The salt. It's salt. Salt seasons. Salt makes things taste good. Followers of Jesus season the home. They season the workplace. They season the neighborhood. They season the discourse on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And the world, think about it, the world, does it run a, a love 
surplus or a love deficit? Yeah, love deficit. The world could use more love. And so God's people bring his love into every space they occupy. Does the world need more kindness or less kindness? Yeah, we bring kindness, God's kindness into the world around us. Uh, Does the world need more truth or less truth? It's a very confusing time to be alive right now. People are so confused. They're confused about everything, even their genders. They're confused about God's people bring truth lovingly into a world that is confused and is lost. So living your best life means that you are seasoning to the glory of God, the world around you. First Peter chapter 2, I love how he talks about this. This is from the translation, the message. Peter says, friends, this world, this isn't your home. Uh, don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and they will be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. I love that. So when the Lord speaks to us, he says, you guys are to be salt and light in this world. And believers who reflect Jesus will have this effect on those around them. They will draw them closer and closer to God. Um, Now, people are going to see your good deeds. What are they going to do? Verse 16, Matthew 5, they're going to see your good deeds, and they're going to glorify you. Now, they're going to glorify God. Listen to what Jesus said. We already read this. He said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Yeah, they're supposed to look at you. They're supposed to see those good works and give glory not to you. They're going to see your good works and they're going to give glory to God in heaven, your Father who is in heaven. So, as we let our light verse 16, shine before people. This is not an arrogant, like, look at me sort of thing. Wow, aren't I amazing? Um, They're going to see our good works as a church, as individuals, as families, and they're going to give glory to God. That's what it's all about. Now, last week, we had a bunch of you guys serving in Fairbanks, Alaska, serving people that you've never met before, helping out in that community. We had some of you folks were in Guatemala providing medical care to people that some of them you have met before because we go back every year there. Uh, But you were doing that not so that they would think, wow, you guys are such great people. Uh, You went there in the name of Jesus. You went there as brothers and sisters in Christ from the Preston Crest Church of Christ uh, to represent him. And so you carried an amazing blessing as you helped with construction products or providing medical care. But the greatest blessing was that they knew God noticed them and cares about them. And they're glorifying God today because of you. It's amazing the power of our good works done in the name of Jesus. Um, Two quick things as we finish. We'll just wrap up here. But the first thing Jesus says, is saying here that you have influence. 
Yes, you have influence. You may think, well, I don't have a ton of influence. I'm not like a a billionaire speaking out for Jesus or a, a senator or a president or a pro athlete spiking the football after a touchdown and pointing up to heaven. I don't have that kind of influence, but you have influence. You may think, little old me, I don't, no, I don't really have that much influence on people around me, but Jesus says, you do. You are salt. You are light. I got lost this week. It was an an enjoyable adventure being lost because I was learning about trim tabs. T-R-I-M, trim tabs. Airplanes have trim tabs. I was really interested in giant ships and the trim tabs that they have. So we all know that a big ship, think a giant cargo ship, three football fields long or something, um, it has a rudder that steers it. It goes left because the rudder says to go left or starboard port, whatever that stuff is. It follows the rudder's direction. But, and some of those rudders are huge. Some of those rudders are like 300 square feet. Trim tabs are small rudders built onto the big rudder. Trim tabs steer the rudder. And the rudder steers the ship. A little influence can make a massive difference, not only in the moment, but especially in time to come. You may not be steering the ship, but you may be steering the rudder that's steering the ship. You may be a grandma who's spending time with your little grandson, your little granddaughter. You pray with them, and when they're not around, you're praying for them. You're reading, you know, Christian Bible bedtime stories to them, and you may not see the influence you're going to cause, but someday, who knows? When that little girl grows, to, grows up to be a CEO of a company and she's representing Christ in that space, or that little boy grows up to be a congressman or a leader in the community, and it was your influence that made such a big difference in their life. You were a trim tab using your influence to season, to light the way forward for them. Uh, it doesn't matter if we feel insignificant or not. We know that Jesus, we believe in his words. He says we're salt, we're, we're light, so we do have an influence on the world around us. I like this verse from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. I think this is a really good one. Um, it says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see his work Again. And so don't despise the fact that you feel, I don't have a lot. Use the influence that you have. God loves to see us begin his work in our families, in our world. Um, Now, we don't really know all the influence, the impact that one decision, one act, one word is going to cause down the road. So we need to be constantly using ourselves as salt and light, letting God use us in those ways. Whether you're a big rudder, causing big changes in an environment, or you're a small rudder influencing the big rudder, use your influence for Jesus. Now, a little bit of salt totally changes the flavor of a dish. A little bit of light in a dark place makes a huge difference. The final thing is this. People don't typically compliment salt. I'm sure this has been said before in some place at some time. I've never heard it. Wow, that is some amazing tasting salt. 
Salt to me tastes like salt, right? People don't compliment salt. They will compliment the casserole that has been properly salted. They will compliment the rack of ribs that has been properly salted. But what salt does is it flavors. If it's doing its job right, it doesn't really get noticed. And if we're doing our job right as disciples of Jesus, we're not getting praised. We're not getting worshipped. God is. And people are following in, in love with him because of us. So this morning, if you want to begin, maybe as a disciple, just stepping into deeper and deeper levels of discipleship, more and more authentic, stronger and stronger in your faith, you're in the right place. We are a disciple-making church. That is what we are about, trying to transform every single man, woman, and child here in, in, into more compassion for people. And more passion for God. That is who we are and what we do at this church. Uh, maybe this morning it's time to cross that line of faith and make your personal decision. I believe Jesus died for me on the cross. I believe God's Son came and the ultimate act of love, of kindness, of compassion, He delivered His life for me, a sinner. And because of Him, I'm free from sin in this life. I mean, I'm forgiven, and I, I'm called to a meaningful life, and I'm headed toward eternal life with him. And you can make that step, confessing your faith in Jesus today, being baptized into Jesus today. Maybe you just need some prayers, and we would love to pray with you as well. Let's stand, and let's worship our God together right now. Precious
John Scott, thank you, Gordon. Now that we've been hearing a sermon about salt and ribeye steaks and ribs, I think we're all ready for lunch at this point. One more thing before we go. If you're not coming on Sunday nights, you're really missing something. We're getting great lessons right now from Ephesians, from Gordon and from Jacob. Jacob is, is bringing the lesson tonight from Ephesians chapter four. We have great singing great lessons on Sunday night, and great fellowship afterwards. We encourage you to be here tonight at 6 o'clock. Please join us. Now, read the take-home verse with me together from Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And the church said? Amen. See you tonight. <laughs>